Well, good morning. Good morning. God is good. All the time. And all the time. Amen. What well, is a joy to be here this morning. Got a few announcements for you. Uh, coming up on October 14th, we have the Walk for Bibles. Uh, you can sign up at the Go table. Remember, this is an opportunity with the uh, Mobile Baptist Association where they raise funds to purchase Bibles for the seafarers who come into the port. And so if you would like to be a part of that, sign up. Luke 418 will sponsor you $100. So for each member who walks, there will be $100 going towards the Bibles. You can also get sponsors yourself, but I want you to know that we will be a sponsor for you. Love to see uh, even more than last year. I think last year we had 22 uh, maybe 23. I don't know if Randy, Brother Randy walked or not. So 22 or 23. Uh, but that is October 14th, 7.30 to 11 a.m. at Medal of Honor Park. You can sign up at the Go Table. Also, uh, Family Fun Day at Camp Grace is coming up on Sunday, September 10th from 2 to 7 p.m. You can get more information off of our bulletin that goes out online on Fridays to your email or you can go to the visitor's table and find out more information. Somebody asked me, how are we going to survive the heat? I got great news for you. Tomorrow it's going to be 10 degrees cooler. So praise the Lord. I know. See, y'all, hey, amen. Man, I got a, I got a greater response out of that than most things I say. Um, but then I also have one more announcement. Um, so over the last couple years, we didn't get to do a lot with... Uh, our senior adult trips because of COVID and all those different things. But we are going to be taking a group to Branson. April. I saw the excitement over there. Look at that. April 14th through the 18th. This is going to be an opportunity uh, for senior adults. Uh, Brother SL and I will be leading this trip. Um, you will have uh, many different shows at night that will also include your dinner. You'll have your breakfast taken care of. You can actually pick up a flyer. You can sign up by paying your deposit. There's no form for you to sign up. All you got to do is write a check um, and then we'll know that you are going. And so I uh, just want our senior adults to know that, that we, we are going to be having a, uh, a senior adult trip coming up this year and it's April 14th through the 18th in Branson. And Sights and Sounds Theater has a different show. It's Queen Esther. And so, uh, not Queen Esther, that's this year, but it's still going to be next year too, so Esther. Uh, but anyways, it's going to be a wonderful time. You can get more information. Space is limited because we can only take a bus, um, but love for you to uh, get more information. These will be on the table, um, and you can get, get that afterwards. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our time. Uh, Father, you are so good, and we praise your holy name. And Lord, today as we open up your word, I pray that it is your breath that goes forth. For it's your breath that breathes life into people. Father, I pray that you would remove any false belief systems that we have and let us just focus in on your truth. As we sing, Lord, may our hearts uh, be prepared to cry out to you. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord but who has clean hands and a pure heart? Father, I pray that we would offer this incense of praise to you from one who has trusted, believed, and, and surrendered to you. Oh, Father, we just thank you for all that you are doing in this place. Lord, we know you're here. And so just move upon our hearts that we may look more like you when we leave than when we entered this morning. For it's in your precious and holy name, in Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us today. If you are a guest with us, we'd love for you to take the welcome card in the seat back pocket right in front of you. Fill that thing out. And then we have three boxes at the back of the room that you can put that in there and get a little bit more information about Luke 418. Today we stand and celebrate together uh, that we have been made alive in Christ. So would you stand, welcome someone around you to Luke 418 as we begin to sing today. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not together. We needed Christ. We were dead in our sins. Let's sing it together. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you called me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I I have a future, my eyes are open, it's when you call my name.
think this is my favorite modern hymn right here. Christ, our hope in life and death. We can trust him in all things today. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together. What is our hope? What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong? Who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing. Oh, sing. can calm the troubled soul. God is good, yes, God is good. Where is His grace and goodness known? Sing this. In our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith when fears arise, who stands above the stormy crowd, who sends the Christ, He lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with Him, there we will rise to meet the Lord, Then sin and death will be destroyed, yes, and we will feast in endless joy. Our hope in life and 
You can be seated as we continue in worship today. That song doesn't give us a whole lot of wiggle room to not trust in Christ, right? Christ is our hope in our life and also in our death. We can't say Christ is our hope in life and death, but not in this financial situation. Christ is my hope in life and death, but except for these family situations that are going on in my life. Christ is my hope in life and death, but maybe not if I don't get this job. No, he is our hope that is eternal. We are in the palm of his hand and nothing can separate us from what? The love of Christ. And in return for what he has done for us, we give him our lives. We say today that you are our all in all. Let's sing together. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I see. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up I be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. out maybe two years ago called I Speak Jesus. His name is worthy. All authority has been given to our Savior that is Jesus Christ. And we can apply that power in every situation with the help of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and directing us. So let's sing that song today. I Speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence Speak his name I speak Jesus 
I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life Break every stronghold Shine through the shadows Turn life a fire I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus and your mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Sing with me. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, Jesus, shout Jesus from the mountains, and Jesus Every heart and every mind 
Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Let's finish our time in corporate worship by just saying, God, take everything in my life and let me do your will. Have your way in this church body and in every decision that we make, every decision being worshiped to the one and only God that is worthy of our praise. Let's sing, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the Father, we know that we want you to have your way in our life. You are the one that created us. You know our every thought. You know the number of hairs that are on our head and you know our future. You hold it in the palm of your hand. We pray that we would not look at these situations as things that will will stop us from loving you and trusting you. We pray that we would try to see your your hand in every single situation today, Lord. That even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. Because you are with us and for us when we submit ourselves to you. We pray that we would do that and find the rest that is beyond understanding today. We love you, Father. It's in the name of Jesus we pray today. Amen. So as we talk about um, rest in Christ today, we come back to Psalm 23. And uh, Shane and Shane, uh, a personal favorite of our pastor, wrote a, a lot of songs about the Psalms. Songs about the Psalms. Say that ten times fast. But uh, it's just an arrangement of Psalm 23. And I encourage you to look this up uh, after, after worship today. And uh, just play this when, when you're trying to find the way that God is telling you to go. Just know that he is leading you. 
and he is with you today. my shepherd I shall not want in green pastures he makes me lie down he restores my soul and leads me on for his name for his grace Surely goodness, surely mercy, right beside me all my days, and I will dwell in your house forever. And bless your holy name. You prepare a table right before me in the presence of my enemies. Though the arrow flies and the terror at my door I'll trust you Lord surely goodness surely mercy right beside me And I 
passage of scripture as he's saying from Psalm 23. I do uh, really enjoy Shane and Shane because they take so many of the scriptures, the Psalms, and put words or put music to them. And um, man, that is just a powerful, powerful message, is it not? If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to be basically in chapter 4 from 1 down to verse 11. You know, the last couple of weeks, we've, since I've been back from my sabbatical, we've really focused in on the glory of God. We've talked about the heart of Jesus. And last week, as we looked in Matthew 11, it said, Come to me, those who are heavy laden, those who are weary. He says, And I will give you rest. Now, I shared with you last week that I wasn't going to go too deep into rest because we're going to take some time this week and look at this understanding of rest. Now, I want us to remember who gives us rest. Jesus does. So when we're talking about rest, it's resting in Christ, resting in Jesus. He's the one who gives us rest, but there is a requirement for this rest, and that is to come to Jesus. That is to believe, to trust in him. We will see that in this passage in Hebrews 4. Before I read this passage, I just want to ask a question today. Have you ever struggled to rest or to sleep? There's a lot of uh, some, some laughter in there because I think all of us deal with it. You know, for me, if I'm not comfortable or at least uh, at peace, it's hard to rest. And think about it. If you have a lot on your mind, it's hard to rest, right? How many of you, if you have an early flight and you're like, all you can think about is, am I going to wake up on time to make it to that flight? And you just can't sleep well because there's so much on your heart and on your mind. What about those that maybe you've been in, in a place where you just didn't feel safe? And you weren't able to sleep. That happened to me one time. I uh, had to sleep one night out in the woods with nothing but my sleeping bag. No tent, no light, no nothing. Just me and my sleeping bag. Well, I didn't even, I couldn't see around me. The moon wasn't out that night. And so I literally pulled my sleeping bag up over, I was, a, I was like in middle school or high school. And I like pulled my sleeping bag up over my head and I just said, okay, Lord, please let me be okay. I don't know if there's any snakes or spiders or, or what there are, uh, but I'm just fearful of what's around and I can't see. And so guess how much sleep I got that night? Maybe a minute or two. Or what about the children in the room? What happens when you wake up and, and you're concerned that, that something's just not right? Right? Maybe, maybe you're concerned there's a monster under the bed. Right? Or, or there's some type of fear that comes upon you. What do you do? You get up and go where? To mom and dad's room, right? That never happens at our house. Uh, I'm just kidding. But what happens is, is they come to a place where they feel what? Safe. 
So when we begin to think of this understanding of rest, there is an element in this that requires you to have peace. There's an element in this rest that requires you to feel safe. For us to rest in Christ means that we find our peace in Christ Jesus. That we are safe in the Father's arms. That we're safe in Christ. We have to trust and believe. In Hebrews 4, the author picks up this idea of rest, but he speaks In multiple ways, he talks first about the nation of Israel, then he speaks about Sabbath rest, and then he says in verse 11 to be diligent to come into rest. So let's look at this as we read from God's word, Hebrews 4, 1 through 11. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, and any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have good news preached to us, just as they also But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Verse 3, for we who have believed entered that rest. Just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my wrath, my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said, someone concerning this... Somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his work. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day today, saying, Through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. For there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same examples of disobedience. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage, it is one that we need to place into our hearts. Father, may we enter that rest. May we dwell in your presence. Or as mercy me saying way long ago, may we sit with you a while, moment by moment, till forever passes by. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the pages this morning. Give us wisdom and understanding that we may place it into our hearts. Now, Father, place me on the front row and let me hear that which you are speaking, that I may too also grow today, that we may look more like you. For it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. So when we look at this passage, it can get confusing, and from a first read, it may say, okay, David, like it feels like it's kind of weaving from one thing to the next and back again. So let me just share with you the the three main things that we see here. One, we see the nation of Israel and their disobedience of going into the promised land. Then we see, speaking of Sabbath rest that was mentioned in the Old Testament, and then at the end, it just continues to say, be diligent to enter into 
the rest. So the first thing I want us to look at is what is he talking about the nation of Israel going into the promised land and their, their lack of faith or, faith or their disobedience. Now we actually see this if you go back to Hebrews 3 verse 19. He says, so we see that they were not able to enter because of what? Their unbelief. And see, when we go back to the nation of Israel, we see in Numbers 13, the spies go into the land. And they come back and they say this. They say, listen, the land is amazing. It's awesome. But the people are big. We're fearful of the people. So, so we don't need to go into the land. But then Joshua and Caleb were like, no, like God has promised us this. Let's go. God's our provision. He's our protection. And the ten spies kind of rise up and, and, and get the people all swelled up. And, and they're, they're, they're focused on the people and not what God's promise. And so they say, hey, we would rather just die in the wilderness. Like why? We need somebody to take us back to Egypt. So Moses then goes before God and he pleads on God's behalf for the people. I love this. In Numbers 14, verse 18 and 19, this is what Moses is saying. Actually, can you go back a verse? Can you go to 17? It says this in verse 17. It it speaks this. Let me see. Can you throw that up there? It says, But now I pray, let the power of the Lord be great, just as you have declared. And look at what Moses says. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, but will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Verse 19, it says, Pardon, I pray, the iniquities of this people according to the greatness of your loving kindness, just as you also have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Moses goes back. Y'all remember as we talked about, Moses said, hey, show me your glory. And and God said, I'll show you my goodness. And then he shares with him that statement that that he's compassionate, that, that his loving kindness goes from generation to generation. And Moses says, you have said this. And so what does God do? He says, hey, you know what? I'm not going to let them go into the land, but I'm going to let them wander in the desert for 40 years. And he says that as they wander in the desert, the older generation will die off and a new generation will come into the land. Church, we see here in Hebrews 4 that's relating back to the book of Numbers that the nation of Israel did not enter the rest because of their lack of faith, because of their disobedience. Church, can I tell you that you can't enter rest today unless you truly believe and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't enter into the rest that Jesus is providing you unless you truly believe You know, it's interesting in verse 2 of chapter 4. This is what it says in in verse 2. It says, For indeed we had good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith. They didn't believe, they didn't trust that which was being spoken to them. They didn't believe that that they were sinful people in need of a Savior. They didn't believe that, that Jesus Christ has died and rose again on the third day. They didn't trust and believe. And so therefore, they did not enter 
the rest. Can I tell you that our faith is not uh, built on our obedience or it's not built on our actions, but when we truly have faith in Christ, there will be actions. There will be a change of life. It will show that the heart, as we talked about last week, that God said that he would give us a heart of flesh and remove the heart of stone. When our lives are changed, there are actions that come forth from our life. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit within us. You know, as I share many, many times, y'all know the example, but if I have a chair up here and I tell you I believe that it will hold me up, but I never sit in it, did I really have the faith that it would hold me up? But when I put action to that, it's showing my faith that I had that the chair would hold me up. The nation of Israel, by not going into the promised land, by not trusting God to give them the land, was showing the Lord that they did not have faith in what he was telling them. You want to enter into the rest that God has offered you today? You must trust and believe. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to Jesus. Last week, what did I say? Billy Graham often said, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. And we spoke about how do you come to Jesus? By recognizing you're a sinner and that you have nothing to offer. So you come just as you are. You lay down your whole life before him, but you receive a new heart. You're a new creation. You receive the feeling of the Holy Spirit. You now have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. You now are called a child of the king. Church, do we realize that when we come to Jesus, we lay down that which separated us from Christ, from God, and we receive the newness of life. And when we receive the newness of life, we enter into this rest. The second thing that we see in verse 9 and 10, it speaks about this Sabbath rest. Rest from work. Now the Sabbath rest gets a little bit interesting because we go back into the law in Exodus chapter 20. Verses 8 through 11. And as we see this, this, this law, this rule, this uh, principle that God gives us in Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, he tells them, tells the nation of Israel, now that you have come out of Egypt, you are to uh, observe the Sabbath, and it is, it's holy. Put up uh, verse 8 for me. Remember the Sabbath day keep, to keep it holy. It says this in verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, do any work. Uh, you or your sons or your daughters, your male or your female servants, your cattle or, uh, or your sojourners who stay with you. It says in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on them the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In the church, we see all throughout uh, the Old Testament that God was serious about keeping the Sabbath. He was serious about the nation of Israel remembering and keeping the Sabbath to the point that the scripture even says that those who were breaking the Sabbath were to be put to death. Now, in this understanding, we must remember the Sabbath is given. This, this rule is given in Exodus chapter 20 at the Ten Commandments that are given to Moses on Mount Sinai. 
So after they leave Egypt and they see God's miraculous hand and opens the Red Sea and they part through and, and God's doing this mighty work, he's saying, now, I want you to keep this day holy. And I want you to remember. I want you to remember that God is the creator. I want you to remember that God is your provider. I want you to remember that God is your protector. I want you to remember that God is the one who saved you from the Egyptians. Church, there's, a, there's an understanding in this Sabbath rest of not just getting away from work and sitting idle, but that God was calling them to remember to remember his goodness, to remember that he's creator, to remember all these things. And then we see later down in chapter 4 of Hebrews, we see this plea to be diligent to enter this rest. Jesus said that he would give us rest if we truly believe, if we truly trust, if we come to him. So what does this rest look like? Okay, first we see that if we are disobedient, we can't enter the rest. Then we see the, the Sabbath rest uh, of the Old Testament as it was spoken on Mount Sinai. Now we are seeing that those who come to Jesus will enter into his rest, into rest in Christ Jesus. So what does this look like? Well, the first thing is, is that it is rest from work in some sense. The scripture says this in verse 10. It says, For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his work as God did from his. We see that example in Genesis chapter 2 verse 2. And it speaks about how God rested after creating the heavens and the earth. I want to be very clear, God did not have to rest. It wasn't that he was tired, but he did that for us to understand, for us to see. Can I tell you that if you go for 24 hours a day, eventually you will fall out in exhaustion. God created us in a way that we need physical rest, but that we also are called to have spiritual rest. We are called to rest from work. Even Jesus, I love this. Jesus came, died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and a few days later he ascended to heaven. And what did he do when he got to heaven? Hebrews 10 verse 2 tells us. He what? He sat down. Now I understand that that is so big in, in the fact that the sacrifice was done. Like it even speaks in Hebrews. It says that, that the uh, priest had to continue sacrificing day in and day out, right? And Jesus, once and for all, finished, sat down at the right hand of the Father. But can I tell you that that also shows that Jesus came to a place of rest after doing the work of atonement for you and for me? Resting from our work looks a little bit different than what we see in the Old Testament today. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was following the Sabbath laws, but Jesus is our Sabbath rest, church. Today we come together for corporate worship as the body of Christ. It's this physical and spiritual rest. We worship together on Sundays because this is the first day of the week, the day Jesus rose from the dead, the day of our Lord. 
And in church, we see in the scripture that when Jesus showed himself to those after his resurrection, it said on the first day of the week. Isn't it interesting? Now, I'm not saying that he didn't show himself to others at different times. But when you look in the scripture, often when he showed himself to the people after his resurrection, it was on the first day of the week. So the reason that we come together on Sundays, the first day of the week, is because of church history going back to the fact that that they celebrated the day of our Lord, the day Jesus rose from the dead. Remember that God has placed His sanctuary in our heart. He's filled it with the Holy Spirit. So you don't legalistically have to be in this room to worship. And a matter of fact, you are called to worship every moment of every day. But can I tell you, the scripture also tells us not to neglect the fellowship of the brethren. Sometimes people will say, hey, if I'm going to rest from my work, if I'm going to have that time of of resting in Christ, then, then, then the only way I can do that is if I walk into a building that's called a church. Well, that's very legalistic. In the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells within our heart. And it doesn't require you coming to a building to worship God. And if you think that, then you can only worship once, twice, three times a week. But instead, we're called to worship every day of our life. But it's also not an excuse to say, well, I don't have to come and be a part of the body. Because the scripture tells us not to neglect the fellowship of the brethren. When we rest from our work, we're not just simply called to be idle. We're not just simply called to say, well, I just need to rest physically. We're called to keep our eyes focused on the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know, we can learn from the Sabbath rest of the Old Testament. What did they do? They were called to remember. They were called to remember. They were called to remember that he's creator God, provider, protector, who he is, his character. Church, while I was on sabbatical, I spent a week at the cove And I did the spiritual retreat there, and we had a guide that kind of, it was a pastor who walked us through in the morning and in the evening, and during the day we had time to ourselves to focus in. And he shared some great points of things that we could do in our time of rest to keep our focus on Christ. I'm going to share a few of them. One, we can stop in that time and see the bigger picture. What I mean by that is oftentimes we're running from here to there so fast that we forget to stop and be reminded of how we saw God's provision throughout the week. We stop to reflect on the week to see how, how, uh, how we did or did not keep our focus on Christ. See, in this time of, of, of rest, we can stop and think and say, okay, God is the one who provided my protector throughout this week, and I have seen his hand. But oftentimes we get so focused on running from one thing to the next that when we rest, we miss that. You know, when we take that time of rest, we can also have a time of rejoicing as we dwell on how we saw God, when we dwell on, on how he was our provider, that we begin to sing praises to the Lord. Is that not what Aaron was just doing, singing Psalm 23? He was singing about how God is our provider and how God is the one who gives us rest. He makes me lie down. We rejoice in the Lord. It's also a time of repentance. 
as we rest in the Lord, as we take that time of rest, we examine our heart. Psalm 139, search me and know me, O Lord, and show me any iniquity, any evil way about me. It's a time for us to fall on our face before holy God and say, Father, I repent for the lack of faith that I had throughout this week. I was worried. I was fearful about this situation, but yet you were faithful. It's a time of growth. When we come into here and we open up God's word and we, we hear God's word, that we are to place that into our life. We build wisdom by opening up God's word together. But let me just remind you, as a dear friend of mine says, that the knowledge without application just makes somebody a clever devil. Church, we have to be careful that we don't just grow in our knowledge to show the knowledge that we have, but we grow in the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord that pushes us to action. And that action's not simply just teaching somebody the knowledge, it's showing them through your life. So when we rest in the Lord, it's a time of growth. Church, another thing that it is, is a time of fellowship with one another. Where we can encourage one another, pray for one another, carry one another's burdens. When we come in here together as a time of rest, and we sit there and we worship God in spirit and truth, we remember his faithfulness. But there's some that are going through difficult times, and they need us to lift their arms up like Aaron and her and start praying for them. There's those that, that, that need the encouragement and a reminder that God is provider. You may say, well, David, don't, shouldn't people know that? Listen, there's times in my life that I need somebody to remind me God's provider. I remember the first week of COVID. I had just become senior pastor. There was a point in COVID I had preached to an empty room more than I had preached to a room of people. And that first week of, of COVID, I went into my office and I was just in tears. I said, God, I'm going to fail. I can't do this. We're not going to be able to pay the bills. We're not going to be able to keep the lights on. And the Lord quickly just said, David, I'm provider, not you. And I fell on my face and I repented before holy God. And I, I, I kid you not, this is a true story. Someone came to my office with tears still running down my face and said, God told me to bring this to you. And it was a check for Luke 4.18. Now listen, that check was God reminding me of his provision. So don't sit here and say, well, shouldn't everybody know God's provider? Yes, we know it here, but sometimes it slips out from our heart and back up to our head knowledge and not in our heart. Church, when we rest in the Lord, it's a time for us to encourage and pray for one another and lift up each other. It's also a time for us to focus on God's call on our life. To know Him, to grow in Him, and to go in Him. I pray that every Sunday when you come in here, as we have a time of rest and just proclaiming God's word and singing, that you leave reminded of the mission that he's given you. 
How often do we go throughout the week and forget that we're called to go in Christ throughout this week to share the gospel with all those around us? We get busy. We get focused on family. We get focused on on job and all these different things. My prayer is, is that when you are resting in Christ and you're focused in on him, that you're reminded that you're called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. church, when we don't do these things, when we don't take time to rest, when we neglect the fellowship of the brethren, the pastor at the cove used this great example. He said, how many of y'all have ever seen boats in the water? And I was like, man, I'm from Mobile, Alabama. Like, that's all you see. And he said, what happens when a boat sits there for a long time? It starts to get what? Barnacles. And he said, If you don't deal with those barnacles, you'll ultimately have to dry dock the boat to get those barnacles off. So he said that when when we don't take time of rest and we don't focus in on the Lord, we begin to get barnacles of the soul. Some of those barnacles of the soul is fatigue, subtle anger, self-sufficient. Inability to forgive, resentment, maybe even just being numb. Just being numb. Church, praise God that he has given us this understanding that we are to enter into his rest. And as we focus in on him, and as we uh, stop from this work each uh, once a week, and we spend that time and we dwell in him, that these barnacles of the soul are being scraped off because our eyes are focused on Jesus. Can I tell you that rest in Christ is not simply just from work and a time that we come together, but rest in Christ is also that we can rest from the daily striving. Now let me explain that. We can rest from the daily striving for the atonement of sin. Previous to Jesus upon the cross, they had to sacrifice constantly. Church, when you come to Jesus... And when you find that rest in Jesus, which is trusting and believing in Christ Jesus, you rest in Christ by resting from striving for your atonement. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 through 26, it says that Jesus paid the price once and for all, and there is no other need for a sacrifice. What we see here, church, is that we get to rest in the fact that we can't do it, but Jesus has. We get to rest in the fact that I can't work up my salvation, but Jesus has paid the price for my sin. We get to rest in the fact that the penalty of sin has been removed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, they kept sacrificing over and over and over. Church, we don't have to do that today. We trust simply in the sacrifice of Jesus. So when we rest, we yes, we rest from that work and, and there's this time that we come together and I pray that you're rejuvenated when you leave. But we rest every day in the fact that our sins have been forgiven not by our work, but by the work of Christ upon the cross. And then we see that there's a rest eternally. A rest eternally. We rest from the work. 
We rest in Christ Jesus and the, uh, the sacrifice that has been paid that we may be set free. And there's a rest eternally. Now this eternal rest is now and forever. Now and forever. Let me explain that. When we rest in Christ, we rest in the fact that he's our provision every day. When we rest in Christ, we rest from this point on until eternity's past, which will never end, we rest in the fact that he's our protector. Can I just stop and just say, Psalm 23 just really messes with my mind sometimes. Because David says, you set a table before me, before my enemies, for me, before my enemies. And here's what messes with my mind. David is saying that I'm, I'm going to come and have dinner with God, with my enemies all around, but I'm going to have peace in the midst of it. You want to rest? You're going to find that God is truly your protector, that when the enemy surrounds you from all corners, and he will, you say, hey, I'm with Jesus. I'm at the table with Jesus. My eyes are focused on Jesus, not all this junk around me. My eyes, he has put a table in the presence of my enemies, and I can have peace and rest at that table in the midst of the storm. Why? Because he's my provider. He's my uh, protector. He's my defender. He is all-powerful. He has a perfect plan for me. Nothing can happen that doesn't go first before him. He's given me the power of the Holy Spirit to live within me. That gives me the ability to a life of of godliness. He's defeated the enemy. Church, we can rest even in the most difficult of days right now in Christ because Christ has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And Christ has defeated the enemy. Yes, the enemy is going to try to shoot those fiery darts, but praise God, we have the shield of faith because of what Jesus has done upon the cross. We can rest in him today. It's an eternal rest because it starts now. But it's forever because there's a day coming when we will be saved from the presence of sin. There's a day coming where we will truly enter that everlasting, eternal rest where sin will be no more. I love John 14, 1 through 6. I shared at Celebrations of Life to comfort the family. But it says Jesus was speaking to the disciples and said, I don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he says that, hey, in my Father's house, there's many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Church, this is so powerful, because we are to continue to serve God, resting in Christ Jesus, until the day comes that we breathe our last, and then he will call our name, we will rise, we will be with him for all eternity, and sin will be no more. I was doing a celebration of life just last week. I didn't have this planned in in the message, and the Lord just put it on my heart, and so I shared this. But at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, after 1 Corinthians 15, great message for celebration of life. You know, death, where is your sting? It's been defeated, right? But then at the very end, the very last verse, he says, So therefore, 
Because death has been defeated. Therefore, because there's a time that you're going to enter eternal rest. Therefore, your toil on this earth is not in vain. Church, because there is, there is an eternal rest that we are going to one day. We must rest in Christ every day on this earth and go for him throughout this world. Thomas asked the question, how do we know the way? And y'all know I quoted it or said it earlier in verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But let me also just show you a little bit more of what this eternal rest will look like. Revelation 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Revelation 21, 3 through 4 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will no longer be any death, and no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. Church, because of coming to Jesus Believing and trusting in Jesus, we can enter into this rest. And it's not just eternal rest that's coming. It's rest now in in who Christ is in our life. But there's a day coming that we'll have that rest where there'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning. For we'll be with Christ for all eternity. This is the reason Paul could say in Philippians, for me to die is gain. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live, I'm resting in Christ. For me to die is gain because I'm eternally resting in Christ Jesus. I'm eternally with him. So as we close this today, I want us to see, I I don't want us to become legalistic about Sunday mornings. But I want us to recognize that God has called us to, to rest And when you come in on a Sunday morning, my prayer is is that you come to focus in on who Christ is and what he's doing. That you would remember all that he's done and you've seen his provision throughout the week. That you would rejoice and and even repent of things in our lives that's not according to his word. That we would grow and that we would fellowship with one another. But every day we rest in him for he's our provider, our protector. And I could go on and on. For one day we shall have eternal rest. I want to close by reading this in Hebrews 4 verse 7. And the author here is quoting Psalm 95 verse 7. He says this. He again fixes a certain day. Today saying through David after so long a time. Just as has, just as has been said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You can have rest today. You can have peace. But it only comes by trusting and believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The only way that you can truly have rest on this earth is when we follow Matthew 11. Jesus said it himself, Come to me, all who are heavy laden, those who are weary, 
and I will give you rest. If you're here today and you're saying, David, I've, I've never found that rest. I don't have peace. I'm struggling with all the stuff around me and I want this peace. Jesus says that he is the Prince of Peace. And the only way that you will find that peace is by coming to Jesus. And church, if you are a born-again believer and you have trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, but yet you are struggling to find rest, it's time for us to fall on our face and say, God, I just need to remember who you are. You're the great I am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are provider, protector. There is none like you. And so therefore, I can rest in your arms. And for those who are here today that say, David, I just, I just really fear what's going to happen after I breathe my last. For those who trust in Jesus, the scripture is very clear that you'll have eternal rest. Now, I can't promise you everything you're going to do or not do in heaven. But I can tell you this, you'll have rest. And I can tell you this, that heaven is heaven because that's where Jesus is. And when you see his face... It won't matter. All those questions that you think you got when you see his face, it won't matter. So church, I pray today that we would walk in obedience. And I will tell you that after studying this, I had it all written out yesterday. At about three o'clock yesterday afternoon, the Lord just made me put it all aside and rewrite everything. My prayer for you is that when you come in on Sunday morning, that you would be expectantly waiting on the Lord to speak and to give you rest. That what I received on my sabbatical for four weeks, that you would receive every Sunday morning when you come in here. And it's not because of of an amazing message or, or, or lack thereof, but it's because the people of God have come together to focus their eyes on the King together. When two or more are gathered in his name, there he shall be church. That when we come together, we're resting in who Christ is and we're pointing each other to him and our focus is all on Jesus. The only way you're going to find rest is when you come to him and your eyes are on our Savior.